This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hi, everybody. My name is Jessica, and you're listening to Monster Books Podcast, the podcast where we talk about kids' horror books that adult horror fans will love. So today I'm going to have a little bit of a meta episode. I kind of want to talk about the philosophy behind this podcast and some questions that I get about it. You know, and I'm not exactly taking over Twitter, you know, ruling the internet. I This is not a huge podcast. But when I tell people about it, uh, I get a lot of questions about, you know, what exactly is it about? What books do you talk about? The number one question I always get is, oh, so you talk about scary stories to tell in the dark the book series by Alvin Schwartz and originally illustrated by Stephen Gamble. And I I kind of wanted to address that because it kind of gets to the crux of how I approach the show and what kind of books I like to cover and what kind of books I don't cover on here. But first of all, the, the theme of today is nostalgia, kind of. And this is only episode eight of the podcast. So please forgive <laughs> the indulgence and the presumptuousness of being nostalgic on episode eight, uh, whereas that seems more like something you do on episode 80 or 100 or something. But I, I do like to talk about uh, my approach to this podcast, what I like to cover, so I can get a feel for what works for you, my lovely listeners, and so you can get a feel for what I like and what I like to talk about on the show. So I started this podcast. I've been a horror fan my whole life. I've been obsessed with kids' books my whole life. Obviously, as a kid, I loved kids' books, but I never, quote unquote, grew out of children's books as an adult. I used to work in, I worked in a couple of different bookstores and I worked as the head of the children's department at one bookstore because that was my passion. I loved kids books. I loved kids merchandising. I loved making sure we had all the series and all the authors and illustrators that kids liked and that I thought kids would like. It was one of my favorite experiences. I to be honest with you, I there it would take a lot for me to go back to working retail. Kudos to everybody out there working retail because I feel your pain. I know how hard it is and how thankless it is and how much it sucks a lot of times because God knows I did retail for a really long time. But I do miss working with kids' books in that regard, which is one reason, probably the primary reason, that I started my kids' book blog called Spooky Kid Lit. And I am shamefully behind on it. <laughs> I, I haven't updated it like I should uh, because I've gotten busy with a lot of other projects, which is a good thing. I'm not complaining about having things to do and having people who want me to write for them and want to want me to make podcasts for them. That's a wonderful problem to have. But I, I do feel like I have been unfair to my, my darling child, Spooky Kidlet. So that kind of leads me into something I wanted to talk about. There are a lot of amazing kids books out there that I will probably never cover on this show because not everything has an adult audience. I as an adult enjoy all of the kids books that I read, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend them to adults. You know, on my blog, I cover books that are aimed at kids from ages 0 to 18. I cover board books, picture books, you know, chapter readers, middle grade novels, young adult novels, everything. And I love every single format. I'm a huge picture books fan. I've talked on the show before about, you know, I think adults should read picture books. If people give you static about reading picture books, you send them to me because they are an amazing art form. And I don't think they get the respect they deserve outside of, you know, 
story time at a library. And props to story time. I lived at my library growing up. I think a lot of people, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably did too. If you were lucky enough to have a local library, you know, we are readers, we love books, we love stories, and we probably haunted the aisles of our local library as kids and as adults too. But yeah, picture books are not solely for, you know, story time at the library, bedtime stories, things like that. But, you know, there are certain books that they work perfectly for a four or five-year-old and they might not have as much to offer to an adult. So there are certain books that I'll never talk about on here that I will talk about on my kids book blog because I can recommend them and say, you know what, this is perfect for a seven-year-old. This book, a 10-year-old will love this book. Adults, you know, you might not want to go get, I'm not going to name check any books here because I don't want to call anyone out unfairly uh, because there's nothing wrong with writing for your core audience and appealing to 10-year-olds. People at all ages deserve art that speaks to them, whether it speaks to them in some deep, you know, metaphysical sense, or it's just funny. Uh, Some kids just want to read books with fart jokes in them. And that's okay. You know, everybody has kinds of books that they like. Obviously, we're horror fans. We like spooky things. I've always liked spooky things. But some people like comedies. Some people like fantasy. Some people like mystery. Some people like biographies, you know, science books, anything. And there can be lots of different mixtures of genres there. But to get back to my point, sometimes a book is not something that I think adults will respond to strongly, especially if they're not already huge fans of kids books like me. Part of my goal with this podcast was to convert adult horror readers. I want y'all to broaden your horizons. If you have previously written off kids books, if you've written off a series of books that was written for 12 year olds as there's no way I would ever be interested in that. I want you to check them out. I want you to give it a try. Because there's an amazing wealth of literature out there that I think adults could really benefit from. As we've talked about on every single past episode, you know, there is humor, there is horror, there is love, and there is wisdom in all of these books that I think anybody of any age would benefit from. You know, obviously some of the books are a little much for younger kids, Some, of, especially some of the YA books we've covered. I, I wouldn't want, say, my niece and nephew, who are both in single digits, they're, that's probably, they're too intense for them right now. But people above the target age range, I think absolutely benefit from these books. But there is a distinction between kids books that adult horror fans will love that I will recommend to y'all and kids books that kids will love and adults might appreciate. It's a subtle distinction. It's really subjective. If you ever want to talk to me one-on-one on on Twitter, you can always ask me more about it and I can try to narrow it down for you a little bit more. I think it might be a little too fine a distinction for a podcast episode, especially because I'd have to start using examples of books and point you to certain things, you know, this versus this, that versus that, that I really don't want to get into on the show because I don't want to feel like I'm portraying a book negatively. Like if I give you the title of a book and say, this is a perfect book for a 12 year old, I don't know how much a general adult audience would dig it. That's not a slight on that book. It's still an amazing book for its target age range. It does what it sets out to do. There's nothing wrong with being a great book for kids, but something that adults will kind of just not get or not enjoy. Like I mentioned, you know, (laughs) 
I'm not a big fan of fart jokes. I wasn't when I was a kid, but I'm definitely not now. So, you know, a lot of the books that I review, if they rely on flatulence humor a lot, I have to kind of set that aside or mention in my review, you know, this is not my thing, but I know a lot of kids love it. So they'll probably, you know, laugh their heads off at this character, things like that. But yeah, so there is a distinction there. And that brings me back around to people who ask about, oh, so you cover scary stories to tell in the dark, which I think for a certain generation, that is the horror touchstone. Uh, Everybody I talk to who's a horror books fan kind of grew up on those books. Uh, A lot of us grew up on Benicula. I'm a huge Benicula fan. Um, A lot of people grew up on Goosebumps. I will admit to you, I've never read a single Goosebumps book growing up, I really liked the covers, but I had this image in my mind that they were just gross out books. They weren't scary. They were just gross, kind of going along with the the whole, I don't like flatulent jokes. I just, I just thought it was just gross and not scary, like kind of for kids, which is ironic because now I love books for kids. But yeah, I just, I had this weird bias against Goosebumps as a kid and I still haven't read any of them. And I feel like I missed out, actually. I feel like I missed out a lot on having a common experience with a lot of people my age. Most of my peers can talk about, is it Slappy the Dummy? I see, I don't even know. Yeah, I just, I just paused and looked it up to make sure I had it right. It is Slappy the Dummy, the Night of the Living Dummy, the the most famous Goosebumps book, perhaps. And I would have loved that. I'm obsessed with creepy dolls and especially creepy ventriloquist dummies. Oh my goodness. There's an episode of The Twilight Zone that has a ventriloquist dummy that's just terrifying. But anyway, um, yeah, but I think I feel like I missed out a lot because I had this weird, you know, preconceived notion of this book series as being too juvenile for me, even though I was, you know, 11, 12 at the time, which I think is a cautionary tale not to write off books as being too juvenile. I know I started off the top of the show saying there are some books I wouldn't recommend for adults, but I don't ever want y'all to approach a kid's book and think it's, you know, too silly for you, too too kiddy for you, too juvenile for you. I have read and enjoyed some really, really good books that were just ridiculously silly and <laughs> really juvenile and really funny and fun and light. That's not to say I'm going to bring some chapter books that you can read in three minutes onto the show, because I like to delve a little deeper. Those books can cover serious issues or they can cover deep issues. I'm not saying that they are necessarily just surface level, but I like to bring books that I think stand the test of time as something that adults can get into. And I try to use them as kind of gateway books. So if you want to check out a chapter book series that looks creepy and fun and silly, you know, you can. I I really try not to be a gatekeeper at all. And I have kind of been a gatekeeper of myself in the past, which is why I make my goosebumps confession. I hope you don't judge me too harshly for that. It's not something I talk about much because I'm really embarrassed about it, to be honest. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll confess something else. I've never seen the Goonies. I, I feel like that ship has sailed. The moment has passed. The point at which I would have enjoyed The Goonies, perhaps, was a long time ago. And I think watching it as an adult without that nostalgia factor, I don't think I would appreciate it much. So I just haven't had much interest in watching it. And that is just, that is anathema to a lot of people my age to say that you haven't seen that movie and you're not obsessed with that movie. It's like telling somebody that you, you hate The Princess Bride or something. They just gasp and look at you like you're an alien. But 
I'm, I'm rambling a bit on this episode, as I am wont to do. I hope it's charming to you. I, I find it charming, which sounds egotistical of me, but you know what? We're being honest. We're all friends here, so I'm, I'm telling you the truth right now. I'm random. I like hearing people uh, kind of go all over the place with their thoughts, and that's how I operate as well, so I hope you enjoy it. But yeah, coming full circle, it's that nostalgia factor. Nostalgia colors our perceptions of books or movies or anything else that we experienced as kids, and sometimes that nostalgia becomes kind of a rose-colored glasses effect. We remember things being better than they were. We remember things being less problematic than they were. So I try to be very good about if I have read and enjoyed a book in the past, like a long time ago, I try to reread it before I recommend it, especially to children, because kids are very impressionable. They don't have as much context as adults do to say, oh, that's that's not a good way to view that group of people, or that's not a good way to treat a woman or a man or anybody, you know. So I like to reread books that I loved as a kid when I didn't quite have the tools to evaluate them critically because I never want to recommend something and harm somebody or put forth something that is bigoted or closed-minded or hurtful or mean-spirited and try to fall back on, oh, well, I, I haven't read it in 25 years, my bad. You know, I I do that with things that I read even or watched five years ago because I'm always learning, I'm always growing, I'm always trying to be a better person and a more critical consumer of art. So I find myself revisiting things just to make sure I didn't miss something or just to make sure, yeah, if this still holds up, I can still recommend this to people. So you have to kind of take the nostalgia factor out of it. I mean, I love talking about nostalgia with people. I love bonding over things that we grew up watching. I've I've considered starting podcasts on the subject just because I'm addicted to podcasting and I want to start 20 different shows and be on every podcast that'll have me. Hint, hint to anybody listening, I'm available. DM me on Twitter. But yeah, you, you do have to divorce the nostalgia factor when you're talking about books, especially children's books. Because like I said, kids don't necessarily have the critical or contextual tools to evaluate something to make sure it's not harmful. Kids are very smart, kids are very empathetic, but they sometimes don't have the knowledge or the life experience to understand when something is bad. So I try to be very careful with my recommendations. I try to be very careful with my trigger warnings, with my content warnings, uh, because I, I don't want anyone to be hurt or harmed by something that I'm recommending. So yeah, but on the flip side, there are nostalgic things that I wish I had seen. I wish I had read Goosebumps growing up so I could share with everybody who bonds over those amazing covers and how cool R.L. Stein is. And I just, I feel like I missed out on a big part of childhood. And it's such a weird thing for me to have missed out on because I'm, I'm the kids horror book person. I'm always talking about kids horror books and I didn't read any Goosebumps, none. It's wild. It's just wild. But I was reading kids horror or horror um, at the time. I just missed out on that series. I was reading a lot of John Belair's with those amazing Edward Gorey covers. Uh, that was my first introduction to Edward Gorey. I think The Chessmen of Doom was my first book of John Belair's that I read. But I have not reread those since I was about 12 years old. So I can't tell you uh, how they hold up in today's world. I have to revisit those. I, I have considered uh, talking about them on the podcast, but I have not revisited them to be able to say, oh, that was that was regrettable or oh, this holds up really well. You know, I, I, I literally don't know because I read them at such a young age and at such a different time in my life when I didn't really 
understand a lot of things. So, you know, keep your ears open for that. If I do revisit those books and find that I can still recommend them to people, I will absolutely be doing an episode on John Belair's. You know, I, I'd love to talk about Edward Gorey, but to me, he's not a children's author. The the Gashley Crumb Tinies is an ABC book, but it's not a kid's ABC book. And again, there's a fine line there. Just because something is gruesome and bleak and morbid doesn't mean it's not for children. I think it it all depends on the author's intent. Was it written specifically for an audience of children? Or was it written for adults, but it's something that can be enjoyed by all ages? That's how I take things into account. I go by what the author says and what the publisher says in terms of the age range. I don't like to take adult works that could possibly work for kids and say, hey, here's a kid's book you'll like. No, I I go strictly by if the author says, yeah, I wrote this for 12 to 15 year olds. I'll, that's That's what I use as my guideline. And coming roundabout to nostalgia, and I originally mentioned scary stories to tell in the dark. That's definitely something that I was obsessed with as a kid, and most people I know were obsessed with those stories as a kid. For one thing, it's such a big series in terms of the impact they've had on generations of people that it feels almost redundant to do a show on them uh, because I want to bring books to your attention that you haven't heard of, that you would have dismissed. And people who grew up with those books and loved them obviously aren't dismissing them out of hand as something that's not worth their time. They look back on them fondly. This show is about saying, hey, this book is a YA romance, but it's also really creepy and really smart and it's a satire and it's funny and you'll love it. You know, this show is about me persuading people to try things they would not have otherwise tried. I'm trying to introduce people to books that I love that I think they'll enjoy. So talking about one of the most beloved book series of all time, you know, that's not a hard sell. (laughs) You know, and quite frankly, I think in a way, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is kind of like The Goonies is for me. If you didn't grow up with it, I don't know that you would have quite the connection with the material as people who did grow up with it. I'm not trying to take away anything from Alvin Schwartz's work as a collector of folklore, as a storyteller, as, you know, a monument for a lot of monster kids. Um, And certainly Stephen Gamble's illustrations are still some of the eeriest horror art you will ever see. But those are books that I feel like greatly benefit from a nostalgic connection, greatly benefit from being, oh man, do you remember, you know, sitting under the covers at night with your flashlight and your scary stories to tell in the dark and being terrified of Harold and the pale lady? I still think about some of those illustrations and get chills down my spine, but I I don't know how much of that is tied into being scared by them as a kid. So part of the reason I don't talk about the books on here, like I don't devote an episode to them is I don't know how to divorce them from my childhood fears. Uh, It's harder for me to be objective. This whole show is totally subjective, but I feel like that's a spot where I really can't disentangle my own childhood feelings from the subject matter. So I don't feel like I'm capable of talking about it in a way that would bring anything new to the discussion, to be honest. And I just, I don't want this to turn into a big nostalgia fest because then it's just a bunch of monster kids talking to other monster kids about books they grew up with. And that's not the aim of this show. This is a show that wants to get people reading books 
that they might have otherwise dismissed. Wants to, I, I hate to say this because it sounds pretentious and presumptuous, but I want to help broaden people's horizons. I want people to know it's okay to read kids books. It's fun. It's awesome to read kids books. There's so much good stuff out there. Not just because I want <laughs> traffic on my website. I sincerely, if you want to check out some really good kids books that I'm probably never going to cover on here, spookykidlit.com, spookykidlit.com, all one word. I've covered board books, chapter books, picture books. There is amazing art out there for every age range. If you've got kids, you know, nieces, nephews, cousins, students, library patrons, anything like that, people, kids you babysit. If you want to get them reading horror, there are some really good recommendations on the site. I will update it at some point, I promise you. <laughs> it's just finding the time for it and balancing everything else that's going on. But like I was saying, I, I don't want this to turn into a nostalgia fest. And I don't want this to turn into a retread of things that I feel like most of us have grown up with. I, again, I will, I'm not criticizing scary stories to tell in the dark at all. They were such formative books for so many of us. And I reread a few stories um, and flipped through because I've, I've got the three books sitting on my bookshelf. I flipped through them a little bit before I started recording. And they're still so fun and so creepy and perfect for campfire storytelling. Because there, there's like a whole chapter of jump scares that every single story ends with. Now turn to your friend and scream, which is a lot of fun. It's like perfect slumber party, campfire, scary story, fun. And it's... It's a cool folklore element, which I am not an expert on folklore, so please don't think I'm presenting myself as such. But you could tell Schwartz is kind of geeking out over collecting all these stories and telling people how to tell them. It's a book about storytelling as much as it is about horror. And I love that. And, you know, I'm always on the search for the next scary stories to tell in the dark. You know, I mean, they quite recently did a movie adaptation of it, which again, felt like a really good introduction to kids, to the horror genre. So you might be wondering why, why I'm thinking about all this, why I'm talking about all this, partly because I kind of wanted to address it because I get asked that question a lot. Oh, oh, so you must, you must talk about scary stories to tell in the dark, stuff like that. No. My interests lie elsewhere. I love those books. I will love those books till the day I die. Uh, but this is kind of, I'm, I'm not really approaching it from that angle. I generally try to cover newer books simply because there's so much being put out right now. And I don't want to regurgitate people who are saying, oh, wow, you should really read scary stories to tell in the dark. I mean, yeah, I think we all know that at this point. If you don't, go check them out. They're amazing. The art is amazing. But again, if you don't have that nostalgic connection, I'm very curious to see how an adult would react to those books having never read them. I'm really curious. So if I do have any listeners who have not experienced those books and you're curious, please read them and tell me what you think as an adult reading those books. I've got my own suspicions, as I have said. I feel like they benefit a great deal from a nostalgic connection, and they seem more like something that connects to kids than adults approaching it. As a new reader of that book, that is my suspicion. But if I'm wrong, please let me know. I'd love to know. I'm really curious. 
And I mean, this show is about curiosity and discovering things. That's my whole goal here. I, I encourage everybody, every episode to engage with me on Twitter, you know, at Monster Books Pod, because I want to find new books. I want to find new authors and new artists that I should be checking out. I want to learn about new things right along with you and find new ways to be scared and new ways to think about horror and new ways to think about kids books. But I do try to avoid getting into waves of nostalgia. I want to I want to discover new things and learn new things. But again, to return to my original question of Jessica, why are you talking about this today? Why are we having a meta episode so early on? We're taking a slight hiatus, just a quick break in Monster Books podcast will be back. I'll have new episodes, new subjects, but we are going to be taking a brief break. And I just felt like doing kind of a meta episode, kind of a reflection episode, because I'm very contemplative. I like to reflect on things and look back and kind of take stock. I won't do this like every eight episodes or I, you know, <laughs> we're not going to have, hey, it's our 17 episode anniversary. Let's look back at our greatest hits. That's not what we're going to do here. <laughs> but I, you know, I've gotten that question enough times that I wanted to address it. And I wanted to kind of touch base with y'all and let you know what my philosophy is for the show, what I like to talk about, what I like to cover. So you can let me know if you're down with that. You know, if if there's something you think I'm missing, if there's something you think I'm not covering that I should be. Again, this is a really new podcast, so I haven't had a chance yet to cover nearly everything I want to, but I'm always open to suggestions. Like I said, it's about discovery. It's about a journey. So if y'all want to hear something different, or if you have suggestions for me or ideas, I am all ears. I, I would like this to be as collaborative as possible with y'all because I, I want you to enjoy the show. I want you to enjoy what you're listening to. I want you to get things from it. I want you to discover things and learn things right along with me. And, you know, I also wanted to kind of address that question that I keep getting from people. But yeah, we're, we are going to be going on a brief hiatus. I am going to be trying to get some really cool episodes done and hopefully some interviews with some creators. So if I have any listeners who have written or drawn or otherwise created any books for kids and you'd like to be on the show, please hit me up. If you have suggestions on who you want me to talk to, please hit me up. I will do my level best. I am not a huge name, so I can't guarantee you that like I'm going to try Goosebumps for the first time and manage to get R.L. Stein on the show for an interview. That is probably not going to happen. <laughs> But how awesome would that be? I'm totally open to it. Mr. Stein, if you're listening, <laughs> you're welcome anytime. And I apologize for not reading your books before and for saying things that I promise were not meant to be insulting. I have nothing against your books. I was just a weird kid with weird biases and weird preconceived notions about stuff. So I love what you do <laughs> just for kids books in general and for being a champion of horror in kids books. But yeah, seriously, though, if, if y'all have any suggestions on somebody you'd like me to get in touch with, let me know. I, I love talking to people. I love hearing about the creative process and talking to other people who are passionate about horror literature for children, because that's what the show is about. Horror for children that adults should be reading. So yeah, like I said, we're going to be back soon. It won't be a long hiatus, but I'm gonna, just going to take a breather, get some episodes done, hopefully get some cool stuff for y'all, and then we'll be back because uh, I love doing the show. I hope that you love listening to it. And again, please hit me up on Twitter at MonsterBooksPod. I love talking to people. I'm online 
all the time. So you you will probably catch me at me, send me a DM, whatever. Let me know what you want to hear. And, you know, as always, Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Subscribe, rate, review, check out all the other shows because there are some amazing podcasts. And um, I'll see y'all after a brief break. I'll be back with more books. I won't be back with another reflective episode like this one. It'll be right back into middle grade and young adult books that are great for kids, but perfect for adults as well. So thanks for listening, y'all. My name is Jessica. You've been listening to Monster Books Podcast. And keep it creepy, kids. Pod Squad.